what was this conference called yesterday that Zuckerberg spoke at? The F-8. The F-8. And, um... Sounds like a fighter jet. It's, it was their version of, like, the those Apple Day things, right? Where it's just a, a bunch... You got the, the CEO and then a bunch of their, their lead people kind of pitching what, what our vision is, what we're planning to do. So is F up. for Facebook or yeah. F-ing liar? Oh, unclear. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> phony. <laughs> um, P is in phony. <laughs> and I saw one... Uh, tech writers say if Zuckerberg doesn't spend the entire time talking about privacy and what they're going to do about it, he shouldn't even show up. Okay, because that is uh, that that's the big knock on Facebook right now, mm-hmm. as he has lied to us over and over again, right. denying that they were doing that, then saying they were going to fix it, then getting caught continuing to do it, pretending that their very business model was somehow an an error that was made. Well, uh, I'll have my team look into it, Senator, or blaming it on a particular app. Oh, so this app. They went off the reservation and just started doing this. When we all know now, it's been documented over and over. It was what they—that was the selling feature to these apps, right? To many, many, many apps. To thousands and thousands of apps. If you if you work with Facebook, you get all access to all this information, right? And uh, and he lied about that over and over again. He is a phony. And he certainly was hitting the privacy thing. If you were playing a drinking game where you took a took a drink every time he mentioned privacy or private, you would have been hammered like six minutes into it. But uh, we'll, you, we'll let you determine how believable he sounds here. Privacy gives us the freedom to be ourselves. This is the, the next chapter for our services. I get that a lot of people aren't sure that we're serious about this. <laughs> I know that we don't exactly have the, the strongest reputation on privacy right now, to put it lightly. Oh, my God. You know, oh my you, God. You, you are concentrating on him chuckling, which oh, is fine. Oh, my God. I would like to concentrate on the fact that he was greeted with a round of derisive laughter when he brought up privacy. And how that's our next chapter. The crowd cracked up. That speaks volumes. How, you can barely hear it in the background, but you could hear it. How does he think that plays? The uh, no, hold on. I realize you might. We might not be the best messenger for privacy. <laughs> well, that was the only response he could offer when he was being guffawed at. A guy who's broken into my house over and over again, looking at me and saying, "I won't break into." Now I might be the wrong person to to trust. With, uh, with Jack, your bank burglary is terrible. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You're a cheat. You've stolen from me. There's nothing funny about this. You're a thief. I know who you are. Burglary destroys people's sense of security in their own home, Jack. You can't enjoy your home if you're afraid of burglars, says the effing burglar. That's astonishing. It is. Play and, and, and yeah, play, play it again and listen. listen to the crowd. There's no crowd mic. Like there would be at a sports game or something like that, so you can't hear it very well. But trust me, give it's me there. one second. I'm going to boost up the the crowd part so you can kind of hear it. Right. Uh, let's go here and here. Oh, that's that might be too much. Apologies. Privacy gives us the freedom to be ourselves. This is the the next chapter for our services. I get that a lot of people aren't sure that we're serious about this. <laughs> I know that we don't exactly have the. The strongest reputation on privacy right now, to put it lightly. Oh, my God. Dude, that is so awful. So awful. I don't know what he could have done, but that was terrible. I don't know what he could have done, having been caught so many times. Right, right. We take you now to the Ku Klux Klan meeting. 
I know we don't have the strongest record on civil rights. <laughs> what? <laughs> the guy in the second row is with me, right? <laughs> I like the way he, he, he talks like he's just discovered this whole privacy notion. This, uh, this, this idea of people wanting to keep their information private and, and not have it sold around. Right. Their phone numbers. Their bank account from whatever they're selling. Your friends and family's phone numbers. Oh, yeah. Who aren't oh, yeah. Even oh, yeah. I was just going to gonna say, just because I decided to unleash some bit of my private information, that app now gets all of yours because we've ever communicated with each other. Oh, that's some good privacy protecting there, Marky. And so he's pitching it as I've just discovered this whole privacy thing. Let me explain to you this privacy concept and how important that, it is that I came across. And this is going right. to be our big push now because this is just found this out some wow that is so freaking weak yeah yeah i just i and we played this earlier in the show and i meant joe's been calling him evil for years yes i have for some reason just thought he was kind of i don't know he kind of stumbled into being a world leading opinion making billionaire um but after listening to that i think he actually is a bad person mm. i think he he actually has bad intentions and is a bad person well what's the uh what's the one about greatness you know I think some people are born evil. Some people learn to be evil. Some have evil thrust upon them. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know precisely how he became evil, but he's evil. He's an actually bad person. Yeah, he's a force for bad. He's a phony. at least as much as good. He's, right a, he's a he's a fraud, and and he's trying to con us. Yeah, there's a lot of good content on Facebook. There's a lot of wonderful content. It's on got Facebook. nothing to do with this, though. right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So anyway. he could have done all that without. Uh, mining our information and selling it without telling us, keeping his working as hard as they could to keep that a secret too. Well, I'll tell you this, and yeah, there's a conflict of interest, but I will absolutely stand by these words. One of the reasons the the big tech giants are so desperate to develop um, these behind the scenes nasty streams of income, aka sharing all your data and everybody you've ever contacted or friended, is because internet advertising is so miserably unsuccessful. The companies, the the big ad agencies, the big corporations that um, used to be TV, radio, print, have gotten heavily into uh, internet advertising. And and you know, full disclosure, it's not been great for radio, honestly. But they're finding out, and and there have been major studies done in recent years. They're finding out it doesn't work. And so Berserkerberg and his brethren in the tech industry are having to develop other income streams. Including, you know, going through your panty drawer and telling every app maker that's willing to pay him what they found. I like this text. Hey, Zuckerberg, we're laughing at you. Don't laugh with us <laughs> yeah. like we're laughing with you. You don't understand how that works. Because we thought it was a funny joke. No, we're laughing at you. <laughs> yeah. And you don't seem to get that. Yeah, well summarized. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, correspondence, boy, we got a lot of great email in the last couple of days. Maybe we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. Also, uh, an actual uh, course taught in colleges about uh, teaching white people how to be white supremacists. Oh. And they are now teaching specifically that Martin Luther King Jr. was wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, I want to hear that. Did you hear what Joey Behar said about white privilege yesterday? No. On boy. The View. I'm sure it was. We've got to play that. We gotta play that. Wow. This fits into this whole uh, Democratic primary and who's gonna be president thing. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I read that a few candidates like John Hickenlooper are actually polling at zero percent. Zero percent. That's crazy. Not even John Hickenlooper supports John Hickenlooper. That's impossible. Man, when you're polling at zero percent, it would be hard in your morning meeting every day with your campaign staff to uh, get fired up. Nowhere to go but up, kids. Come on. Who's with me? (laughs) And I think for most candidates, you're usually pretty wealthy. And your your life is okay, but you, all those people that work on campaigns, I've just learned this recently, or fully appreciated it recently. You're like you, you choose a campaign and you get all in and you work like crazy, and then when it ends, you're out of work mm. and you have no job, right? And oftentimes you're you know you're married, kids, whatever you got a life, you have no job, mm-hmm. and you got to try to hustle up a way to make a living. Mm. Or if your candidate wins. Or is doing well, you've got two years of this job, and then they, if they win, you're in their administration. I mean, you're you're set for maybe the rest of your life. Right. If your candidate wins. Indeed, yeah. If it's the right office, sure. If you jump on with a Hickenlooper who, you know, you heard the good things about him and it doesn't go well, you're out of work. And it's May, and it's over, and you're now just unemployed. So you, start, you call the Klobuchar campaign. Say, hey, you need a hand over there? It takes a lot of guts to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be intense work. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. The hours would be crazy. By the way, I saw this on the Today Show yesterday. The movie Say Anything came out 30 years ago. Mm. So if you're of a certain age, that will make you depressed. And feel old, yes. And the movie Spinal Tap came out 35 years ago this spring. So if you're of a certain age, that will also make you depressed. If you're uh, younger, you don't care. You know where you stand in a hellhole. Folks lend a hand. In a hellhole. The Great Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. Eh. A rockumentary, if you will. <laughs> so, this is warning. This is the. This is a warning. May I uh, have a second take of that, Michael? <laughs> Do we... Uh, I, I, articles. Who has time for articles? This is a warning. From the great state of Corruptifornia. Sometimes known as Cal Unicornia. Because... Realism has died in California. Therefore, those who would profit from the public taxpayer spigot just get to walk up to it and flip it on wide open and fill their buckets of greed. Does everybody get the uh, metaphor? Can I move on? I think we got it. All right. So it, this has to do with the idiot bullspit train, the bullshit train <laughs> that was voted for by the poor saps of California like a, over a decade ago. Yeah. 
This is, you know, they, they voted for like $10, $12 billion in bonds. That would be most of the cost of a... It was a bad idea at the time. Even with the numbers given, it was a bad idea. The just, super rocket train from L.A. to San Francisco. There just wasn't a need all for points it. in between. Right. It was a bad idea to begin with. But And and just, you know, the broad outlines of the thing. So the, the budget for the thing's gone from, you know, $20, 30000000 million to... It's going to be like $100 million if they ever built it. $200... I'm sorry, billion. $200 billion. If they ever built it, and pretty, pretty Gavin Newsom, the the new governor, who's a phony on a hundred different levels, but even he says, "Look, this thing's never going to be built. We got to stop this." But the L.A. Times did a brilliant job of uncovering the whole money spigot part of it, and that's at the inception of this boondoggle. And this is this is the canary in the coal mine stuff. When somebody comes to you wherever you live in your state and says, "Hey, we got this idea. It's going to be great." Here's what happens. Consultants assured the state, listen, there's no reason for the state to hire hundreds or thousands of in-house engineers and rail experts. That would be crazy. The consultants can handle the heavy work themselves, save California money, and listen, it'll take us 12 years to buy the land, grade the land, bore through mountains, bridge over rivers, and build 520 miles of rail bed. It'll cost you about $33 billion. 12 years. Keeping in mind now, if they actually went ahead with it, it'd be 100, 150, 200 billion in like a century. State <laughs> officials followed that advice. And for the next several years, the development of the first high speed rail line in the nation was overseen by a tiny government staff. Now, more than a decade has gone by, and it turns out this miscalculation has resulted in the California High-Speed Rail Authority being overly reliant on these high-cost consultants who constantly, well, the L.A. Times says, consistently underestimated the difficulty of the task. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. In the same way that the, uh, the sellers of magic beans consistently underestimate how little these will turn into beanstalks into the sky. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, the significant portions of the work have been flawed or mismanaged. Despite repeated warnings about the weaknesses in staffing, the rail authority believed it could reduce overall costs by relying on consultants, blah, blah, blah. Strategy failed to keep costs from soaring. Ten years after voters approved it, the project is $44 billion over budget and 13 years behind schedule. 13 years. That's incredible. Well, that doesn't happen in the private world. Well, no, no. Nobody would put up with you. You, eh, you said you'd have my uh, bathroom remodeled 13 years ago. And so the <laughs> only party that holds any offices in California, the Democratic Party, is a face-saving maneuver. Pretty, pretty Gavin Newsom has said that they're going to go ahead and build a partial system from beautiful Bakersfield, California, to beautiful Merced, California, for 16 to $18 billion. I would remind you, that is more than half of the original plan for the entire thing. And can somebody Google, what's the distance, Google map or, or Apple map from Bakersfield to Merced? I don't know the actual mileage, but those are two perfectly lovely but fairly small Central Valley cities in California. And the traffic between Bakersfield and Merced is, I mean, who cares? Right. It's about 160 miles. Okay, it's 160 miles of of smallish cities. And the cry for rail travel between Bakersfield and Merced, well, there's never been any. There, there are two major highways. 
you hop on them. You can, and a couple hours later, you're there. It's fine. You can go whenever you want. You'd have a car at the other end. Or you could take a bus or whatever. It's just there is right. no need. But to save face, they're going to go ahead and spend, well, folks, come on now, who's been hanging with me? Uh, 16 to $18 billion to, to uh, connect Bakersfield to Merced. Yeah, 16 to $18 billion. Yeah, that's what it'll cost. It's got to be 40 and it won't be done till I'm 106. And that's a rail line. I mean, seriously, at least you could save the original bullet train. You, okay, you can go to from L.A. to San Francisco in, what they say, two hours? I mean, that that's without the hassle of airports and all. That That's pretty amazing. Sure. Sounded appealing. Yeah, okay, you know but what? But then it was never going to be that. <laughs> I'm going to eat so many beans, I'm going to fart so hard, it's going to rocket me to the moon. That'd be cool. And I'm going to live on the moon. Tell me when you're going to do that. I'll get my smartphone out. <laughs> right, so the original plan was pretty amazing, and every bit as possible <laughs> is my flatulence-powered space flight idea. Hard fart primary. So I'm telling you, I'm begging you people, when they come to you with a budget and a time frame and a plan, we've talk to major contractors. They've actually told us off the record, oh yeah, when you go in for a government bid, tell them anything you want. Sure, you Doesn't sure. matter. You're a, you're a sap if you if you don't. Yeah, you want a bridge from uh, Honolulu to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, that'll cost you a billion and a half. We'll have it done in two years. Yeah. Oh, you're hired. What if they're like giant cost overruns? Oh, don't worry about that. God, how many people are going to make their, their entire life's money off of this. Quite a few. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we've got F-bombs and surprise at the bar hearings. Back out on the streets in Venezuela today and a breakthrough in the treatment of autism. Coming up. Oh, we got to get to that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. my phone again on the sidewalk the other day. I think this is like the fifth time. Mm. I've really gotten into some weird how far can you push your iPhone and still have it function in all territory. Mm. It's it's like a game now. I mean, there are chunks of glass falling off of it. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's got, it's, it's got uh, yeah, up here in the corner. <laughs> there are four full screen length cracks in it. It looks when like I one of those it. factories in Detroit that has been yeah. since 1974. Yeah, exactly. When I press it, you can feel the screen giving everywhere. Whoa. I'm just going to ah. see how long I can work in that. Yeah, it's interesting. Ba- battery, yeah. Full battery life from 100% to zero is like eight minutes now. <laughs> I'm just going to see how far I can take it. Uh, at some point, it'll just catch fire. Burst into flames to burn your genitals. Uh, hey, one more note on that uh, the Cal Unicornian, Cal Unicornia bullet train thing. The major contractor on the job, WSP is the name of it, um, they've been uh, on the job for, uh, well, from the beginning. And despite warnings that the project was headed for major cost overruns and serious delays, catastrophic delays, they got a new $700 million contract. And it just it's like a mentally ill person hires a contractor and says, yes, I would like you to build me a 500-story house. Contractors thinking, as long as the money spends, okay. And they just keep building and building, knowing there's no way they'll ever build a 500-story house. It's an impossibility. But the mentally ill person just keeps giving them money. And that mentally ill person is the state of California. And those dumb taxpayers. (laughs) 
News Now with Marsha Phillips. Well, Judiciary uh, Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham opened Attorney General Bill Barr's hearing today with a review of what was in the Mueller report and said flat out, I appreciate very much what Mr. Mueller did for the country. I have read most of the report. For me, it is over. But for Graham, an investigation of what prompted the Russia collusion investigation has just begun. He's outlining a number of things, causing him to question whether or not the reasons for the investigation were cooked up by those who just didn't like Trump. Like a couple of FBI agents whose tweets became public. In going through those tweets, Lindsay quoted an F-ball. October the 19th, 2016. Trump is a f***ing idiot. Oh, <laughs> salty language from the South Carolina. <laughs> In her opening statements, California Democrat Dianne Feinstein noted the release of a letter to Barr from Special Counsel Robert Mueller on the Russia investigation. He said, your letter to Congress failed to, quote, fully capture the context, nature, and substance of his office's work and conclusions. Now, Barr insists he Which never... reminds me of a letter I wrote to Herbert Hoover. Barr insists he never never misled Congress with regards to previous questions about Mueller being unhappy about his handling of the report. And in his opening statement, Barr did say he was surprised that Mueller did not reach a conclusion about obstruction of justice. Mueller detailed 10 instances where obstruction might have occurred, but no direct conclusion, something Barr decided would not hold. So he and his deputy decided to take over. And the deputy and I felt that the evidence developed by the special counsel was not sufficient to establish that the president committed a crime, and therefore it would be irresponsible and unfair for the department to release a report without stating the department's conclusions, and thus leave it hanging as to whether the department considered there had been criminal conduct. So the question is going to be, I think, for Mueller when he finally testifies, is did you intend for the Attorney General to make that decision or for Congress to make that decision? And I guess we'll see what Mueller says when that happens. Yep. There is a noticeable amount of sweat on the upper lip of uh, the Attorney General, Barr. That is true, and this just in, it's it's now starting to appear on the forehead as well. Back to you, Jack. Now that could be uh, nerves. Mm. That could be because he's a man of larger carriage and it's warm in there. We don't know. You know, I made a mistake. I erred, Jack, in saying that she wrote a, uh, a letter to Hoover. It would have been funnier to say Calvin Coolidge, who was the oldest, the longest time ago, old-timiest president whose time on Earth intersected with Diane Feinstein. She is old enough to have written a letter to Calvin Coolidge? So it, as an infant. <laughs> <laughs> it is fairly rare. I, I admit. <laughs> I'll grant you that. Um, uh, yeah, but Herbert Hoover... Lived to 90 years old. He died in 1964. He was uh, president from 29 through 33. If I may get back to the substance, yeah. which nobody wants. Um, so uh, did, I, did I grab the Calvin Coolidge audio for no reason? We're not, we're not even going to play that. <laughs> the expenses of the government That's Calvin reach Coolidge. everybody. Fantastic. Everybody. Yeah, Calvin! <laughs> right, Diane Feinstein. So, Barr, that, that's what Rudy Giuliani's out saying today, basically about this letter that came out last night to the Washington Post. Um, Giuliani's saying, well, if you would have made a conclusion, if you'd have either decided one way or the other, then we all wouldn't have had to jump in here. But you didn't, did you? That's why there's confusion. 
A new study is suggesting autism can now be diagnosed in children as young as 14 months. Wow. That, Holy cow. That finding is a lot earlier than with the typical. With a medical test or with a, uh, uh, the, what would you behavioral call it? Behavioral, behavioral personality test. Yeah. test yeah. Yeah. Uh, that finding is much earlier than the previous uh, diagnosis of autism when children are three or four years old. I'd say. The specialists who treat uh, kids with what's called autism spectrum disorder say the really early diagnosis can mean a lot earlier intervention. Well, yeah. And Plus, is, God dang it, if somebody has dealt with this, the parents would know what they're dealing with. Your kid isn't disobedient. Their brain isn't working right, you know? But I, I just wonder whether they can detect, you know, like... At every point on the spectrum, or just severe cases, right? Or right. Yeah. Right. Although any progress is is helpful. Sure. And but God, it's always difficult because there are there are profit motives for a lot of different people and in, 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 in industries with all this stuff. So you always have to watch out for that. I know there's a gazillion people trying to do their very best and only care. Sure. Right. But uh, there's also you know if we could, if we can get you started down this track with our organization or hospital or whatever right. at an earlier age. Right. Oh, we ought to do that Duke University story. They just paid a mind-bogglingly large fine for faking up research grant applications. Uh, I mean, the hundreds of millions of dollars. Speaking Duke. of the taxpayer money space. Duke wow. University? Duke. Wow. Wow. I know that happens all the time. As yeah, I've okay. mentioned before, I had a friend who did that. He worked for a nonprofit and faked up applications. I mean, oh, wow. more or less what he did. But there's a punchline to the story. I would not mislead you. There's a punchline to that story that's going to make you say, what? <laughs> Stay tuned. I'll, I'll, I'll unleash it on you. One other quick note on the autism uh, report. The study, if you want more details, is published in this week's edition of the medical journal JAMA Pediatrics. So if you want okay. to go and look into that uh, further, go right ahead. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. And here, Squawky. Okay, so we'll have the follow-up on that Duke thing, faking up the research stuff. Uh, that's that's troubling. Can I put my Calvin Coolidge audio away? You can, okay. at least for now. Uh, also, Joey Behar on white privilege yesterday from The View, which is a, a tasty morsel. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. We've got too much good stuff today. And, and on the bar hearings, they're going to get spicy, I think, because you've got three presidential yeah. candidates that are going to start their questioning at some point today. And we got your highlights for you, we promised. Stay tuned. Trump Arm- is a idiot. Hey, hey, bless my soul. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Anybody know what that noise is? So we're hearing what sounds like your elevator or your train arriving. Uh, went away now. Take you. Okay, we're going to play this here joke. It was reported yesterday that Sunday's Game of Thrones episode has become the most tweeted about television episode in history with more than 7.8 million tweets. And just to put that in perspective, the finale of MASH had zero. (laughs) (laughs) Good joke. Didn't see that punchline coming. We got a lot to fit in here, and I want to fit it in. But Marshall just had that autism story. I want to read this text. 
I think this is interesting on several levels. I, I cannot, I cannot uh, verify this at all, right? But I'll just read you this text. Autism Speaks is an organization that is just a pile of S. I have two autistic children. I've spent time reaching out to these people. They refer you to someone else. Horrible. Now, that could be completely real. That could be a different autism organization taking a a shot at this autism organization because they're competing for dollars and research money. Mm -hmm. It it could be all kinds of different things. That that was my point and how difficult this whole thing can be. For what it's worth, my daughter on the spectrum uh, despises that organization and says most people do. Interesting. Because of the way they look at it. It it would take a a while to unpack. Google it. Um, Anyway. And there you go, how difficult it is when people say, we need help for mental health. Yeah, well, okay, but it's it's not simple. Right. Well, and it reminds me very much of uh, organizations that purport to be supporting our wounded veterans. Uh, there are serious differences between those organizations. Anyway, uh, we suggest you support Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Uh, can we have a link at armstrongandgetty.com so people can find it quickly? Hanson, would that be doable? I'm sure it's doable. Of course it's doable. So very quickly, and I'm telling you, I, I, pro- I promise, I went big on my promises, didn't I? I told you you'd be interested in this. If I'm a liar, I'm on fire. If I'm lying, I'm dying. So Duke University has agreed to pay the United States of America $112.5 million That's to settle false claims uh, related to scientific research uh, misconduct. It's your National Institutes of Health, your EPA studies. Uh, essentially, they faked up stuff to get giant grants over the course of quite a few years, between 06 and 2018. Submitted and caused to be submitted claims to the NIH and to the EPA that contained falsified or fabricated data or statements in 30 grants, causing the government agencies to pay out grants they otherwise would not have. Here's the part I, I told you you'd be interested in. I'm already interested, and I have something to say, but I'll, I'll wait for the interesting part. Uh, let me. Th- well, we got another minute or two, and and it was knowingly done. Yeah, that's uh, the way this whole game the, the, works. The, the settlement sends a strong message that fraud and dishonesty will not be tolerated. Okay, research yeah, sure. Okay. Here's here's the part that you're going to think about all day. The allegations were originally brought in a lawsuit filed by Joseph Thomas, a former Duke employee, under the and I'm bad at Latin qui tam or whistleblower provisions of the False Claims Act, which permit private individuals to sue on behalf of the government and share in any recovery. Mr. Thomas will receive $33,750,000 from the settlement. $33.75 million to this former Duke employee. Wow. For being the whistleblower. Yep. Anybody got any whistles they'd like to blow? Oh, my God. I wish I worked for the government. I would spend all my day, because so most of them don't have to work, uh, <laughs> figuring out you know where the fraud and abuse was and, and suing. Go from working at Duke to being a Duke. <laughs> well played, sir. Um, so do, do, do the other people involved in these frauds not know this? Because I would think there'd be more people saying, okay, I've been around for, for a couple of years. I know we're doing this. I'm going to blow the whistle. Yeah. My $30 million. I don't know the particulars of how it works, um, but I can't imagine that this guy had knowledge more unique or thorough than most people who are aware of there's dirty dealings going on so where I, they work. I don't know that much about what I'm talking about. 
which qualifies me perfectly to be a talk show host, but I know one person that was involved in a nonprofit organization that was in the accounting department working on uh, getting uh, these various grants and money for studies and all this and sort of I stuff. I understand. He spent a lot of time doing that, too. And, and, and he said this, it was just so phony. I mean, it was just all about coming up with a phony reason why you needed more money, and then when they'd finally get somebody, some of the government or some philanthropist or whoever to say, okay, I'll give you another million dollars for that, everybody'd be like, whew, we're okay for another year. I mean, it was just... It was just, and, and I'll bet there's so much of this going on wow. that for Duke and a lot of other people that are involved, it's like, what are you picking on us for? This is the way the whole thing works. Right. You expect us to get grants with actual data? There isn't that much data. <laughs> right. So we faked it up. Or if I'm going to compete against all those other people that are completely lying, I'll never get the money if I don't, you know, make all kinds of incredible claims. Right. That's probably the way it works. If you want to get your piece of the pie, you have to really go over the top because everybody's phoning it up. So we took $50 million from the government and we we, we can't actually teach beagles to speak. I mean, we can make them go, ooh, in a way that sounds like words. <laughs> well, from what I understand, there are quite a number of organizations, God, there might be thousands of them, that don't do really anything other than figuring out how to get more money. That's what I've heard. To keep the door open. They hustle grants. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. And then, you know, at the back end, you you come up with enough, you know, horse hockey to to make whoever the grantor was feel like it was a decent grant. But how do they skate? Do they wear skates? Oh, well, the talking beagles are the reps. <laughs> that's the interesting part. Oh! Um, I mean... At, uh, Is there knows? more scoring than people hockey? I might watch. <laughs> There's plenty of scoring in people hockey. You're just, you're, oh. Stupid basketball fans. Anyway, uh, I, who knows what accountability there is? I don't. I mean, if Duke could get away with it. For I mean, again, this, this period covered the, a dozen years. This is one of the top research organizations in the world. If yeah. they're faking it up like this, why am I supposed to believe some crumbum organization not attached to something as prestigious right. as Duke? I'm holding uh, my commentary until I hear what uh, Coach Shashevsky has to say about all this. <laughs> Coach K, what do you think of those? 112 mil worth of fake grants. At Duke. At Duke. Wow, that's incredible. So Turns out they're good at everything. <laughs> wow. So I want to fit this in. This is Joy Behar, who I find just... I don't know how anybody watches The View. Who are the people that watch The View? I don't know anybody who not only watches it, I don't know anybody who doesn't despise it. Show it to ISIS guys to make them talk. <laughs> anyway, make them crazy. This is her talking about white privilege yesterday. I think that we have a problem in the country sometimes with white guys who don't have a lot, who are struggling, and they don't see themselves as having any kind of white privilege. So that's right. where the that's where the conversation needs to go with with people like that who don't really see that. And uh-huh. it is even though you're you're having a hard time, you still have a privilege uh-huh. if you're white, even if if you're right. poor. So that's an interesting argument to make and a way to look at the world because they're tying this all into politics and and who's running on what and this sort of thing and who's who's the most aggrieved party and well they both blah blah blah. Um, but the whole you're you're struggling you're not doing well in life you're you're you know you're in part of the country where they got no jobs and everybody's drug addicted but you still need to recognize your white privilege which I don't even know how you do that. Well, if I decided today to recognize my white privilege, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do. Where the discussion always ends is okay. I've recognized it. 
Now what? Well, you need to understand that you're part of the patriarch. Okay, I understand it. I'm still broke. My cousin just died of drug addiction. Now what do you want me to do? Not discriminate. Not be a racist. Okay, I get it. Now what? I wasn't doing that before. Right. You know, I've got this thing on what colleges are teaching these poor misguided kids about... Um, about white privilege and white supremacy. And I tell you what, you know, this stuff, sometimes it makes me mad, but then it turns a corner, and I'm like, wow, you people are, are, are digging your own graves. And I mean, uh, you know, your intellectuals who are poisoning the minds of college kids. It's like... Well, I hope, I hope you're right. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win. The, 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 we're going that direction. You know, yeah, yeah, maybe. But they're digging their own graves in the same way that now everybody's a fascist. They call everybody a fascist for everything. Well, they're getting into that ground now with white supremacy where these professors are calling, like, everything white supremacy to the point that the term has no meaning anymore. Now, I'd suggest it's very much like, and we've talked about this many times, if you call everything sexual assault, then nobody cares anymore. You call a pat on the butt sexual assault. And you call forcible rape the same thing, sexual assault. You have rendered the term meaningless, so people turn off their brains. Well, now they call everybody a fascist, and now they call every act of every white person white supremacy. So, well, number one, congratulations, you've let actual racists off the hook, you morons. Um, but number two, people are just going to stop listening. How about that statement from Joy Behar? People, white people who are struggling need to recognize their white privilege. I don't even know what that means. It's easier for a poor white person than a poor black person. Now okay, what? but fine. But okay, I get that. I'm not arguing that. Right. What What does it mean that they need to recognize their white privilege? Stop denying that that what Joe said is true. Okay, I'm stopped. <laughs> I just I just now I what? just can't imagine what that what that does. Does that do anything? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.